today's shir was sponsored by an anonymous donor. She imali Hashem called Mashalos Libi Leteva. The Ibishter should fulfill all his heart's desires and even more than that, Leteva. So, middle of Peter Klamath base, and we're based on that which Hillel said. The famous story where the prospective convert came to Hillel and Hillel told him, if you want to know what the whole Torah is on one foot, that which is hated unto you, don't do to your, uh, don't do to your fellow. This is the entirety of the whole Torah. The rest is only, he didn't say only, the rest is commentary. Zil Gemoyer. And go study. So the question we had last week was how's a Shaykh to say that the Torah, the whole Torah is merely a commentary of uh, the mitzvah of Avas Yisrael. So we explained that uh, Avas Yisrael was the ultimate um, is the ultimate litmus test about whether one is taka you know, the Yisoyed, the foundation of the whole Torah is the, the, is the superiority the, the, of the Neshama. That the Neshama should be the one that should be, it should be the Iker. That a person should identify with the Neshama. Where does that come out to play? That comes to play Dafka and Avas Yisrael. Because how is it possible to love every Yid like you love yourself only if you're a person who approaches things from a Neshama perspective, a Neshama person. And sadly, that's, um, you know, we talked about uh, now we're after the nine days, and now we're already on the path towards the Geula. Uh, people don't realize how they, um, when they're from on the Cheshben of Avas Yisrael, how much they're missing the point. One of a story maybe, maybe you're all familiar with, but it's a very telling story. I believe, I believe it's about Rabbi Shal Salanter. Shal Salanter, one who was in charge of the Musar, um, not in charge, the one who uh, founded the Musar movement. So he once, uh, he was a guest in a home on Friday night. And obviously he was a, a famous person and a respected person. So when he came to the city and he was hosted, he was hosted by the, one of the wealthier people in the community. They come home Friday night, the meal, and the husband looks at the table, and he notices that the challahs are uncovered. His wife had forgot to put the, the challah cover on the challah. So the, 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 this man, in front of Rabbi Shal Salante, he began to berate his wife. He began to scream at her, how can you forget to cover the challah? Especially when you have this great guest that's coming here. And uh, the wife was, uh, you know, embarrassed. She quickly, she runs, she gets the challah cover, she puts it on the challah. So Rabbi Yisrael, who has seen this whole encounter, he turns to, the, to this man and says, let me ask you a question. Why do we cover the challah? So I said, you know, we learned this in Cheder, of course, because we don't want to embarrass the challah. <laughs> because the challah, if it sees that uh, you're making Kiddush beforehand, and normally we know that bread is the primary, the primary food, and we make a bracha on the bread before anything, it's the first bracha we make in a meal, even when there's wine. 
Shabbos is the exception because there's a mitzvah of Kiddush, so therefore we um, we make first the bracha on the wine, but we don't want to embarrass the challah, so we cover the challah. This is what the person says. So the Yisrael says, let me ask you a question. Can a challah be embarrassed? It's a loaf of bread. Can a challah be embarrassed? He says, no. So, Yisrael, so, so what's the point of covering the challah? The point of covering the challah is to teach us a lesson of just how careful we have to be not to embarrass, not to embarrass another person. And here, in order to cover the challah, you went and you embarrassed your wife. Talk about priorities. Uh, talk about messed up priorities. I heard a story also this year, a, tr- a tremendous story about Rabbi Steinman and Eretz Yisrael. That, um, so he's what, he's 103, 104, something along those, uh, along those lines. And uh, he lost his wife, I don't know, somewhere 10 years ago, 15 years ago, in other words, uh, at a very um, advanced age. He was definitely in his 90s. First year after his wife passed away, so it came before Pesach. So he told his attendant, or Steinman told his attendant, I want you to get from me for Pesach all the water that I'm going to use on Pesach. I don't want to take any water from the fossil on Pesach. I want you to prepare barrels, kankanim, barrels. And um, because the halachic issues, it's obviously it's a very, very big hitter, but uh, this way, you're, if there's any, anything, anybody in chance in it, if a grain of flour, it becomes bottled before Pesach. So the attendant tells the, tells the Rav, figures maybe the Rav is getting old and doesn't remember. He says, it says, Rav, you don't do this either. You've never done this. I'm here for Pesach for many years and you use water from the faucet every single year. So the Rav told him, I'm not growing senile. The truth is, this is a hidr that I always had as a bacher. And then I got married some 60 years ago, 70 years ago. And the first year before Pesach came, I asked my wife, I said, before Pesach, I told her that I have this hidr that I use only uh, water, which is um, from in, in, uh, you know, collected before Pesach in jugs. And she forgot. She forgot about it. So I came, comes the first day of Pesach. And I asked for a cup of whatever. I went to a couple. Asked for a cup of water. Where's the Where's the water? And she, she pointed to the sink. And then, just, and she realized right away that she had forgotten, and she felt so bad. And I saw this. I saw this. I immediately told her, "Relax. It's nothing. It's a new hider that I decided I wanted to do. It's mamish nothing." And he went to the sink and took a cup of water and he drank it. You have nothing to worry about. It's mamish, mamish, no big deal. It was just this thing that I was thinking of, whatever. So that Pesach, I drank water from the faucet. Next year, it came before Pesach, <clears throat> I thought to myself that if I tell my wife that I want the, the waters again, I, I want the water in the barrels, so she's going to realize that, la- that last year Taka wanted it, and she's going to feel bad again. So, th- so went 60, 70 years, and he drank water from the faucet all those years, but he never forgot <laughs> that really what he wants is water from the barrels. The first year after his wife passed away, he said, I want, I, I want you to collect the water from him. It's an amazing story in terms of, of, of someone having their priorities set straight. 
and how many times that we use, you know, Hidurim and Chumras, and obviously we're not talking here about compromising in areas of Halacha, but how often do we use, um, you know, Yiddishkeit and Torah to, uh, to hurt another person or to embarrass another person. There's a Rav Kranheit who always screams says about the people who go to the, to, the, to, the, to the matzah bakeries when they have their shifts. And you have the women who are rolling and they scream at them and they curse them. And he says, what's your whole matzah worth if, uh, if it comes on the, the Isr of Almana Leisanun, right? Of not, of, not a, of not oppressing and not hurting another person. And this Nikudah of Zawakal Atayrikul of Idach Pirusha. That where do we see a person who be'emes is a spiritual person, a person who's a godly person. A person who's in a Shama life is someone who is sensitive to another person's covet, another person's dignity as much as he or she is sensitive to their own. Because on the Shama level we're all, all one, and just like we don't hurt another person, we don't hurt ourselves. So that's why obviously Yisrael is the entire Torah, because in obviously Yisrael is where you see whether the person got it. Does the person really get what it's all about or not? Where's the litmus test that it would be? In obviously Yisrael. Now, Dr. Rebbe is also going to add another idea, which is a, a little more Alpi Kabbalah. And let's look inside. We're on page Mem Aleph, which is opposite of page 80. Six lines from the bottom, where it says, Vigam. Dr. Rebbe says that the Yisoyed, beforehand, Dr. Rebbe said that the Yisoyed Veshoyedesh Kol HaToyra, the foundation and the root of the entire Torah is to prioritize and elevate the neshama over the guf. That's number one. Vigam, and what's another major foundation of the Torah? Is lahamshech oir in soif baruchu, b'knesses Yisrael, is to draw down the infinite light of Hashem into Klal Yisrael. K'mosh Yisbar l'kaman, as we'll explain at length later on in chapters 35, 36, and 37. Dahainu, in other words, b'makir neshama is called Yisrael, Drawing down the air in Saf, the infinite light of Hashem, in the source of all the neshamas of Klal Yisrael, the mihevi echad be'echad dafka, and this is only possible when we are echad be'echad, we are all at one with each other. The not when God forbid there is separation the neshamas, when there's separation amongst the neshamas. Because as Kabbalah tells us, the Eberster does not dwell in a place that's fractured, in a place that's uh, blemished. And as we say in Davening, We ask Hashem to bench us, but how is it possible for us to be a keli for the bracha from Hashem when it's kulanu ke'echad? When we are all like one, then we can be zoichet panacha. To the oil of Hashem, the light of Hashem's panim, Hashem's pnimius. Rukumayishin is bar, but makamacher barichus, as is explained elsewhere at length. For whatever reason, there's this rule that kuchabrichu le sharia basar pigim. And the Abishter only dwells in a place which is a dover shalim, a place which is complete. And therefore, since Klal Yisrael, we are essentially one entity, our shlemus, our shlemus is when we are all. At one with each other, and only then can we mamshech elokus. So that's another reason why zeu kol kula, because what is the purpose of every? In other words, that Hillel said that the whole Torah is obviously Yisrael. What is the purpose of the whole Torah? Every mitzvah, each one of the six hundred and thirteen mitzvahs, is drawing down the light of Hashem. But that light of Hashem, we can only draw down if we have obviously Yisrael. So yes, obviously Yisrael is kol kula, because there's no mitzvah. That isn't dependent on Avis Yisrael. Because to accomplish the goal of any mitzvah, 
which is the drawing down of the light of Hashem that is dafka through when we are obviously strong, we are all at one with each other. The Tzemach Tzedek in the Mimer, Mitzvah Zavos Yisrael, the Tzemach Tzedek explains, gives an interesting analogy. He says, we know that in the body there are 248 limbs and those correspond to the 248 mitzvahs of the Torah. What is a limb? A limb draws down life from the neshama. That, a, 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 a limb is alive. A limb is a keli. It's a receptacle for the highest the energy, the life force of the neshama. The 248 mitzvahs, every single one of them is a keli for us to draw down the life force from Hashem, the light of Hashem, the energy of Hashem. Why 248 mitzvahs? Why can't we have one mitzvah? We'll do one mitzvah all day long. I know, I know that sounds very boring. It's easier. Well, so, so one way you say Hashem Pashti wanted to make life flavorful, flavorful for us, right? Yeah. But in a deeper, in a deeper, you know, the Alter Rebbe talks in the Kutetayri. He says, "Ilu nistavinu He says that if we attack only one mitzvah, our mitzvah was that we wake up every morning. Hashem commands us to go out to the woods, to knock down, to, to chop down trees. So we would do that also b'simcha. But Baruch Hashem, we're lucky. We have more than one mitzvah. We have 248 mitzvahs, which is a whole. You know, kaleidoscope of, of mitzvahs, but why taka? Because just like um, in human relationships, so when a person loves another person, so the love expresses itself in different ways. Sometimes the love expresses through speaking words of love. Sometimes it expresses itself through an action, through a gift. It can be sometimes through a look of the eye. In other words, there are all different ways that love in a relationship expresses itself. So the same thing is in our relationship with Hashem, that His love for us expresses itself in many, many different ways. And those are the 248 different ways of the mitzvah. Every mitzvah is a different expression of Hashem's love. Every mitzvah is an expression of Hashem's love. But what causes Hashem to love us? Avas Yisrael. Because kamayim ha'panim la'panim. That we, in other words, everything that, everything that happens above is caused by our, is a reciprocation of our behavior below. When we have Avas Yisrael, then Hashem loves us and He wants to then, He wants to be near us and He wants to, he wants to give us His love. And then every, the 248 mitzvahs are the vessels for that love which we create through our Avas Yisrael. So when we say, the rest of the Torah is the commentary on Avas Yisrael, it means it, it means it very clearly. Because the main thing is the love that Hashem loves. And then once that we have that, then every single mitzvah is a different way of drawing down that love upon us. So ultimately, it's all about Avas Yisrael. So Avas Yisrael is important for these two reasons again, to recap. Not only it's important, why is it, you call HaTayr Kula in the words of Hillel. Because first of all, the objective of the entire Torah, our goal here in this world is to prioritize the neshama, to identify with the neshama, to be selfless and godly. And that expresses itself in Avas Yisrael. And reason number two is because the purpose of Torah is to draw down the light of Hashem here in this world. And that also is something which is, comes through Avas Yisrael because either the Samach explains because that is what causes the love in the first place, 
or in a, or as Dr. Rebbe says over here, that kuchabrichu leshariya basar pegim. When we're fractured, we cannot be mamshech the ear of Hashem. And this is also the reason why the Arizal says. It's in, the, it's in the Siddur of the Nusachari, but this is something which is the Arizal said, and in fact the Rebbe encouraged that everyone should do this, even those who don't daven Nusachari, that before davening in the morning, the Arizal said that it's proper to say before davening, but I accept upon myself the mitzvah of Avas Yisrael. And again, the Rebbe asked, personally requested, he says that even those who don't daven Nusachari, before davening in the morning, before Matoivu, to say, I accept upon myself the positive commandment, the obligation. Shall we have to the reacha kamoicha? So it starts with the Arizal. Yeah. I, I saw it in the, the, uh, many other Hasidic Yeah. It's not. It's not unique. Dr. Rebbe said there. In fact, if you stay, stick around. Right. Yeah. If you stick around after after davening, not after davening, after uh, after shir. I'll show you in a sefer that they compiled one of the, in the back of one of this farm of Amariyad Murazakin a whole index of all the different sedurim in which this appears. It's not something which is unique to. Uh huh. Again, it's 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 from the Arizal. Well, now, what's the connection between Avos Yisrael and davening? <coughs> what's the why before davening? If anything, you'd think that when should you say you had any mekabel after davening? Right, the first I daven. And that's my davening is the first thing I do in the morning is before I interact with everyone. And after I daven, before I'm about to go in the world, you say, And if you can say that you interact with people before davening, okay. So then right in the morning when you wake up, you say, and say, right? But we don't. It's before davening. Why is which is right before davening, why is that ha'achana? Why is that ha'achana for davening? So on a very simple level, it's brought down, let's explain that uh, when it comes to davening, we're asking the Eberster to fulfill our, our, our wishes and our needs. What is the case? How, how do we get the Eberster to do what we want? So we know there's a rule about that, that with parents, that uh, if children are in, are, are in harmony with each other, there's nothing that gives par- a, a, a parent a greater nachas than when the children are getting along with each other beautifully. So therefore, when we give this nachas to Eberster and we say, so it's much more likely that Hashem will, uh, will um, fulfill our requests. And in fact, we had, I mean, the, 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 the Chazal talk about how in the times of David HaMelech, so the people would go to war, David HaMelech soldiers who were all tzaddikim. In general, in times of, uh, in proper times, who went to, who went to war? Tzaddikim went to war. Right? So when they went to war, the king stood up and said, Who is scared to go to battle because they didn't have Vera? They go back. So, that means, <laughs> so what does that mean? That means who went to battle? The ones who didn't do any Averas, right? It's like it's so different. Today we think who are the ones that go to battle are the bums. <laughs> right? Yeah. But back in, the, back in the day, it was the opposite. Who went to battle? Adrab, the bums stayed back because they didn't want that their Averas should, uh, should negatively impact the situation on the battlefield. So who went to battle was the tzaddikim. It's interesting uh, to picture, to mentally imagine that a bunch of you know tzaddikim and they're they're, they're the ones going to battle. And from that when the when David's soldiers went to battle, there were casualties. How could that be? They would die. So they they, 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 they wouldn't know. Tzaddikim, why should they die? 
And then we find out that when Ahav went to war, Ahav was one of the greatest Rishoyim, one of the biggest of the when he, when he went to war, he suffered no casualties. Soldiers came back. So Chazal say, why is that? I don't remember the second it's a Medrash. Because in David's camp, there were Diltudin, there were people who spoke Lashon Hara about one another. There wasn't that Achdus. And by Ahav's soldiers, despite the fact that it might have been Rishoyim, but there was unity. There was no Diltudim. There was no there was no people who spoke badly. In other words, the, uh, the Gemara brings a riot because when I, I can't remember the Gemara, the Medrash, because I'll say this, that when Acha, when Eliyahu Novi stood up and said that I am the only Novi who was left alive by the, by, the, by the Har HaKarmel showdown, now there were really another thousand Nevi'im who were alive, who, um, who, Avadia, who Avadia had saved. A thousand or five hundred? Four hundred. No, it was either... I think it was 500 or 1,000. He saved hundreds of Nevi'im, either 500 or 1,000. And, and, and it was common knowledge. The king didn't know about it. And no one, no one stood up and said, well, yo, what are you talking about? There's another 500 or 1,000 Nevi'im that, that are alive because no one, no one talked about each other. And in that Zchus, they went to battle and they didn't suffer casualties. Which is, shows the amazing power of Achtus Yisrael, that Kaviyachu, we have that we... <laughs> we we have the we have the there as our as our captive. He he, he has to do what we want because of the incredible nachas he gets from Yavach Yisrael. It also specifically shows about Lashon It's definitely right. But the, but but you have to understand also Lashon Hara at the end of the day, we mentioned this last time. Lashon Hara is a symptom, and yes, we have to be very careful about Lashon Hara. But ultimately, if I'm busy thinking bad things about other people, and I'm, uh, I'm, not, I'm not saying anything, I get a lot of schar, and I don't want to hop up for that. That's a wonderful thing that I'm not saying anything. Um, but is that, is that the tachlos hakavana? The Pasuk says, It goes deeper. What we're, what we're really trying... That is, that is what? In terms of not speaking Lashon Hara, that is the Talmud. Even though you hate somebody, that somebody is Talmud. But we said last week, we said, What does it mean, Zeklal Gadol You were here last week? Zeklal Gadol That means that there are many offshoots. Yes, definitely. It's important not to murder people. But, and it's important, uh, you know, to have a Shabbos Aveda. But all of these are rooted in Avas Yisrael. Ultimately, the Lashon Hara is, is a serious and grave breach of it's true, but let's say a prat. Yeah, it's a, it starts. Uh, the Rebbe says, if you want to look later, some powerful words in Egeres Hakodesh. Turn to page 270. Nine lines on the top. The Rebbe says, Valkanan, therefore, this is a letter that the Rebbe wrote to the Chassidim. therefore, Ahuva my beloved, my friends, no, no, please, please. To toil with all your heart and soul, to 
establish the love for your fellow in your heart, like a nail, to knock it in like a, like with a hammer, knock it into your heart. The Apostle says, a person should not think bad about his fellow. It shouldn't arise in one's heart. If it does arise, you should push away such thoughts from his heart. Like you push away smoke. Thinking badly of your fellow in your mind should be equivalent to thinking about bowing down to a cross. That's, the, that's what Dr. Rebbe says. That should be equal. Why? Because is the equivalent of And if speaking is so bad, then how much more so is thinking? How bad is thinking? It is known to all who are wise. How much greater thought is Al Hadibur over speech, both for the good and for the bad. Because thought is much more intimate. So here the Alter Rebbe is kind of like twisting it around. He says, if Lashon Hara is this bad, how much worse it is, is it to think bad about another yid? There are tons of lavas, many more lavas in Lashon Hara, so 32 lavas in Lashon Hara, and there's maybe one or two lavas in this is not the But that's constant. Yeah, but, but, one, but, but, but how can you confuse the cause with the symptom? Why shouldn't I speak Lashon Hara about Ayid? So there's two ways of looking at it. One is, Kamala oh, speak Lashon Hara. Another one is because I love him. Which one is the greater? You tell me. Let me ask you a question. Would you, after class, maybe have some juicy, something not nice to tell me about your father? Why won't you tell me? Because, oh, Lashon Hara, and I want to say Lashon Hara, or it wouldn't even occur to you to do something of that sort. That, that may not be attainable to a regular person. It's very hard. One second. That's exactly what we're talking about over here. We're talking about the seems unattainable. Dr. Rebbe says, you know what, you're right, it is. If you're approaching it from a good standpoint. But if you're a Shama person, and that's the whole point over here, obviously, you know, we're saying that Lashon, that Lashon Har is a symptom of Avas Yisrael, or Sinas Yisrael. And Avas Yisrael is also a symptom of what? Of living a life, which is a Neshama Dika life. If every Yid is, an, if you're in a Neshama, and others in a Neshama, the thought of Avas Yisrael, doesn't occur, of Lashon Har, doesn't occur to you. Again, if we're not at that Madriga, and you do have a bad thought about someone, definitely you shouldn't share it, and it's Lashon Har, and that's terrible. I'm not trying to minimize Lashon Hara. What are the practical things that happens every day? That's the biggest cop-out that there is in the world. <laughs> it's almost like everyone does it. And therefore? If you don't speak about it, then you're okay. Don't speak about what? If you don't, if you don't say Lashon Hara, it's fine. No, it's not. And eventually you can go away. You it's, can go we, 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 what do you mean? Eventually, it's fine? If, you're, if you don't speak Lashon Hara, then eventually you can change those feelings around. You can do something about it. If you don't speak Lashon Hara, you have not you have not done the love Lashon Hara. A hundred percent correct. You're not gonna get a love if you if you if you don't dislike somebody. You can't get it. Could you, could you what do you mean you're not gonna get a love? First of all, you're not making mitzvah say v'haft l'achar kamecha, and second of all, we just saw the pasuk. I'll tell you quote it. Isha siras re'eu leisala al talal levavchem. What does that mean? 
You're saying that there is. I'm sorry. We can both agree on how bad Lashon Hara is, but if you're going to start telling me over here that it's enough for just not to speak and there is no mitzvah of Yisrael, where, where's that coming from? Saying, what I was saying is that the mitzvah of Hashem is something, you're, you're not, you're, you're, it's something on its own, besides Bible. Okay. It's definitely a, a significant thing on its own. But I think what we pointed out last week, but I said this already three times, is there are most of the mitzvahs in the Torah. When, when Hillel said, the idach pirushahu, and Rashi said, why? Because most of the mitzvahs are pirush of Avis Yisrael, did Hillel have in mind Lashon Hara also? So yeah, those mitzvahs are all important on their own, but to a certain extent, there are pirush on the mitzvah of Avos Yisrael. I think we're in agreement with each other. I think it's a little semantics that we're uh, disagreeing over. <clears throat> but, but now we understand you know, go back to the idea of that you can't separate between Avedas Hashem and Avas Yisrael. It's not two different spheres. When we're davening, what do we want? We want to be Mamshech Hashem onto us, right? We want to draw down. And to do that, we need to have Avas Yisrael. When, and I connect with all the Kali Yisrael, then I am a Dover Shalem. Then I am complete. And then I can approach Hashem. Until then, I'm incomplete. You know, on the Beis Hamikdash, you have all these uh, halachas about the carbon that we bring to Hashem has to be complete. It can't have a mum. Well, by davening, I am the carbon. We're the carbon. Am I complete? If I have sinas Yisrael, then I'm not complete. Because on a neshama level, I'm one with, with all Kval Yisrael. And if I cut off a piece from myself, I'm not complete. So if I want to approach Hashem, I need to have Avos Yisrael. If I have one Hashem's brachas, I need to have Avos Yisrael. Oh. So, in other words, and, 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 and a, in a smaller sense, we said, we said earlier, the reason why we say Makabal is why is because that we want the Abishter to be Mamala to fulfill our Bakashas, our requests. But that, in that way, it's like a ploy. Uh, Hashem, I want you, it's, it's like uh, I want to ask something of my father, so I do my brother a favor. I go to all my father. Oh, I did a brother a favor. Oh, he's so proud of you. And then, oh, ta, by the way, there's something that I want also. It's somewhat of a ploy. So, I read Makabal, Mitzah say, Oh, Hashem is happy, good. Now, please, I need, I need money, I need parnasa, I need this, right? But in a deeper sense, it's connected to the idea of davening itself, in that again, if I want to approach Hashem and daven, I have to be complete. And if I don't have obviously Yisrael, I'm not complete. And that's why we say, Harini Mikabel before daven. As mentioned last week, the wording of Hilal, Mada Allah Sani Lechav Savid, is somewhat strange. If he wanted, if Hilal wanted to... Um, wanted to transmit to the Geir the, the notion of Avas Yisrael then, and he, and he, and, and he wanted, I guess he wanted to do it in Aramaic so that the guy, he should have said like Targum Unkul says on the Pasuk I think it's a Serachim Lechavrach Kivasach if I remember correctly love your fellow as you love yourself don't do unto your fellow that which you don't want done to yourself. Number one, it doesn't say anything about love over here. It seems very technical. 
But it's not only it doesn't say about love, it's not even telling you to do anything. It's telling you what not to do. You know, two different issues. Number one, he didn't say anything about Ahava, about love. And number two, theoretically, if I sit at home and in bed all day, then I am uh, I have done what Hillel wants. Because I have not done to my family. I mean, actually, I don't know, maybe my, I'm doing to my wife something that <laughs> she doesn't want to my mishpacha. But the, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't require anything active. It's just telling you what not to do. Yes? And number three, if I add to it, how is that an expression of raising the soul way, way above the body? I'm even going to say that already. But. No, I didn't. And number three, how is that? How do we? How is embedded in these words? Don't do unto you to, to your neighbor that which you don't don't want done to yourself. How do we have embedded in there the you know Avas Yisrael and all this uh, incredible ideas we have over here about having the uh, an shamadika life, which expresses itself in Vahaftaliyachakamecha, love your fellow as yourself. So the Tzemach Tzedek, the grandson of the Alter Rebbe, he explains. A very beautiful idea, which is um, brings out how the depth which was within the statement of of Hillel, and how it brings out in a very practical way the idea, the the depth of the idea of Avos Yisrael. So Matzadik points out something interesting about human nature. One of the things that bothers us, perhaps more than anything else, is when our character flaws or mistakes that we have made are exposed to others. I might be a person who's a selfish person, a lazy person, I have an anger management issue, an ego issue. I know all of these to be true. But if someone else finds out about it, I get very upset. I made a mistake, I did something wrong. Okay. But if someone else finds out about it, very, very painful. Why? It's true. Why should it bother me if someone else knows the truth about me? I want to live a lie. I know about it. It doesn't bother me. Or maybe it does bother me, but not nearly to the extent that it bothers me when someone else becomes aware of my shortcomings. Why is that? Same. Sorry, yes. Because you <coughs> forgive yourself for that sin and you think that someone else knows about that, that they'll judge you for it. They'll always remember it, and they'll always use that to be better than you, or to judge you, or to... That's why... That's you why. forgive yourself. You forgive yourself. Really? You forgive yourself? Well, let's say you did tshuva. So then tell the other person, I did tshuva. Yeah, yeah, They're only going to believe the bad, and not the good. Yeah. There are multiple reasons why 
It bothers us so much if other people find out. Well, let's, let's go through a few of them. <sighs> Number one is that when we do something wrong, we tend to justify it. A lot of justifications go on. Excuses, reasons why it wasn't so bad, extenuating circumstances, and other people tend to uh, give us less, less slack, they justify us less, whether they may, maybe they have a more accurate view of the situation, or maybe, or, maybe, or maybe we have a more accurate view of the situation, whichever way you want to look at it, at the end of the day, what you said, you said is correct. We do forgive ourselves. Why? Justify. Because we, we, we make justifications. So I screamed at uh, this person. Yeah, but he deserves it because uh, dot, 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 right? So, I'd, so uh, I slept and didn't go to shul, but it's justified because, you know, we, we come up with reasons why it's nishke ferlach, that which we have done. So why does it bother but, uh, so therefore, but that same thing, if another person finds out, the other person doesn't uh, cover it up. The other person looks at it as something bad. Again, correctly or incorrectly. At the end of the day, we justify ourselves. That's number one. Number two, we have a larger picture of ourselves. Other people, when they find out, especially, actually, and this is true, the, more, the less the person knows you well, the more distant the person may be from you, they tend to judge you and define you based on that one flaw. And if, that, if, that, if that's the case, that's, that's pretty bad. You're defined by that. You, on the other hand, you have a much more um, holistic and complete picture of yourself, and you can contrast your flaw and your character issue or your mistake, you can contrast it to the many wonderful good things that you do, and your many wonderful strengths and your wonderful character traits. So therefore, it bothers you less. You don't define yourself by it, whereas the, as opposed to the other person who does define you by it. That's another reason. But there's another nakoda. there's another point. As we mentioned last time, my love for myself is unconditional. The Pasuk says, I believe it's in Eiv, We manage to cover up our sins with self-love. Meaning, we're aware of our sins. We're aware of our mistakes. We're aware of our flaws. Not only that, we're aware of them much more than anyone else is aware of them. No one knows your flaws like you know your own flaws. But they don't impact your unconditional, absolute love for yourself. And therefore, to a certain extent, when you do an Avera, tichasa, the Ava's tichasa, the Ava covers it up. When the other person finds out about it, then your mistake is exposed because it's not covered by that love. And suddenly, wow, that's bad stuff. Your, your own knowledge of yourself, you never go, oh, that's bad stuff. Why? Because there's that layer of self-love that covers it. And the other person doesn't have that layer of self-love. Or, or that other person love. Doesn't have that love for you, yeah. right. <coughs> so therefore, Siddhartha Masadak, 
When someone else finds out about your mistake, that's it's it's being exposed. My knowledge of it doesn't expose it. It remains even though I know about it, it remains covered. It's concealed by that love. When and that exposure is so painful. As long as I have my my knowledge of it, as long as it remains covered by the self-love, it's manageable. But when my flaw, when my mistake becomes uncovered and exposed, that is beyond painful. Came along Hillel and told the Geir, listen to this, Allah Sani, that which you hate. What do you hate? The exposure of your flaws and mistakes. Never ever do that to your fellow. When you become aware of your friend's flaw, don't expose it. What does it mean, don't expose it? Don't go down on it? No. Just like you cover your own sins with self-love, cover his sin with love also. Don't allow it to be exposed. Let's go through the different things we said. So just like when you do something wrong, you justify it, justify what your friend did wrong. Just like you see the larger picture when you do something wrong, see the larger picture when your friend does something wrong. And most importantly, just like when you do something wrong, it remains covered by love, meaning it makes no difference. The unconditional love is there. When your friend does something wrong, the unconditional love to your friend has to remain. And if the unconditional love is there, then the Avera remains covered. And with this, we understand that Hillel was imparting a mind-blowing, what does it mean? How does, I think someone asked me last week, maybe not, what does real Abbas Yisrael look like? This is what real Abbas Yisrael looks like. That the unconditional love is not impacted by a mistake the person had made or by a character flaw of the other person. And that unconditional love covers over the mistakes. I still got to give it to Chacha, though. Talk about that in a second. <laughs> How did I get to place with you're, you? You're, you're our uh, Musa representative over here. Me? Yeah. <laughs> it's good, it's good. Nah, How did I get to place You're always making sure that, we had, yeah. You had to cover. There's a Chiv Te Chacha, but. Yeah. I, so how did I get to play why, when you're covering up someone's flaws? We'll, we'll get there in a second. We'll get, we'll, you're not acknowledging. No, no, covering up doesn't mean not acknowledging. Covering means that the, Don't look down on that, that it doesn't impact your estimation of the person and your love of the, your unconditional love remains. And by the way, the closer you are emotionally, we see this also to another person, your best friend is the one who you're free to say almost anything about yourself. And why is that? Because again, you're telling him is not exposing it. When you feel that you're unconditionally loved by someone, you can be open with that person. Or your flaws. Yeah. Be open with that person. And that's the true Avas Yisrael. That just, just like I unconditionally love myself, I unconditionally love everyone else. And therefore I justify, and therefore I see the whole picture. And most importantly, it doesn't impact my relationship with the person. And one of the most powerful, 
later we're going to learn. Technically, as far as Allah is concerned, there's almost never a time where in practicality you're going to have. We're going to get there next week. Yeah, yeah. So next week, Mr. Shem will finish the period. No, but I want to talk about Teichacha. There's a Sikha from the Rebbe. A Sikha from the Rebbe, which from the very first time I learned it, it just it blew me away. It was, uh, and I wouldn't be surprised if I've shared this before because it's, you know, something, one of your favorite ideas, but it's something that can be shared again. It says by Noyach that after the, after the Mabu, so Nayak became drunk. No, that's light. And he went into and he and he got naked. Came naked in his tent. He was exposed in his tent. What happened? Pasuk says, Vayar Chum and Chum saw Aesarvasaviv. He saw the nakedness of his father, and he went and he told his two brothers who were outside. Interesting, the Pasuk doesn't say what he did wrong. Rashi brings down, yes, I remember this, yes, I remember that. Some say he had relations with him, and some say that he, uh, he castrated him. But if you look in the Pasuk, the Pasuk doesn't say anything. The Pasuk says, Vayar Cham, that Cham saw his father's nakedness. Right? And he goes and he tells his two brothers. So it says, the Pasuk says, Vayichu Shem Vayafas they took a garment and they went they entered the tent they went backwards and the puzzle says and their faces were backwards they didn't see the father's nakedness and they covered the father so the asks we have over here a redundancy in the puzzle it says, it says their faces were backwards and they didn't see their father's nakedness. Well, if they're face, if they're not facing it, then obviously they weren't mothers. They didn't have uh, eyes behind in the back of their heads, right? So how would they see it if they were if their faces were backwards? What? So Rashi says that whatever he gives a little answer, but it's a it's a glaring question. Maybe it explains how they didn't see it. The reason they didn't, the face were backwards and the guys. Uh, it's fine to give an answer, there could be other answers also. So, to answer this question, the Rebbe points to a statement of a, a, a principle Sorry, laid down by the Balshamtiv. Balshamtiv says that when we look at another person, it's like we're looking at a mirror. And if we see a flaw in another person, then that means that we have that flaw within ourselves. So if I see something wrong in another person, that means I have to fix something within myself. And that is what I see in the other person is what I have to fix in myself. What's the, what's the right? How do I know the other person's on a mirror? Maybe the other person has some terrible character flaw and I don't have it and I just happen to see it. Maybe he didn't have it and I happen to see it. Why, why is me seeing what, something else wrong about another person? Why is that indicative about something in, within me? So that Torah of the Baal Shem Tev is predicated on, it's a symptom of another Torah of the Baal Shem Tev. What's the other Torah of the Baal Shem Tev? The Baal Shem Tev says, the idea of Ashkoch HaPratis, that every single thing that happens is Ashkoch HaPratis. So the fact that I saw something wrong in someone else, that's Ashkoch HaPratis. Hashem is showing it to me for a reason. Otherwise, it, I, wouldn't, I, wouldn't be, I wouldn't be aware of it. That awareness also is Ashkoch HaPratis. So why is Hashem 
Why is Hashem showing me this? Why would Hashem show me a flaw in another person? That's not nice. Now the Gemara says that when uh, you know an Achan, when he stole from Yerichai, and you and um, talking about Lashon Hara, and um, and Yeshua wanted to know who's doing, who, who did it. Hashem says, I'm not telling you. I'm not about Lashon Hara. I'm not going to tell you who did it. You want to find out? Go uh, throw a girl. Do do a girl. So if Hashem wouldn't want to tell Yeshua. But Achan, but Achan's uh, Avera, why would Hashem show me another person's character flaw? That's not nice. And everything is precise and everything is exact. So it must be that if Hashem is showing it to me, that there's a reason. And what's the reason? It's because I have the flaw. Otherwise, Hashem wouldn't have shown it to me. Not the same flaw. Different flaw. No, the same. Uh, well, that is similar. This, uh, 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 it could be in a much more subtle way. So if someone kills someone, so you have to look at yourself and say, and you saw it, so we know that uh, someone who's Ma'ben Pnei is Shreifech uh, Damim, so that you're finding something similar within yourself. Yeah, it could be in a much more edle way, obviously. It's not the exact same, but the same character flaw, the same idea, the same issue, you can find yourself perhaps in a more subtle way. Sounds nice, but the Rebbe is not happy with this. And the Rebbe says, one second. Of course it's a shkacha protest that I'm seeing the person. But maybe the reason why I'm seeing the person is so I can help him. Maybe the reason why that Hashem gave me the opportunity so that I could do the mitzvah of a heich of rebuking my fellow, and trying to, uh, to help him out. Maybe that's the reason. Hashem wanted to give me a mitzvah. Why do I, what's the hechrech? Right, why, why am I compelled to say that the reason why I'm seeing this is because there's a flaw in me, maybe that the Ashkach HaPratis is that Hashem made on purpose, He happened, He worked everything out and I should see it, so I should be able to have the mitzvah so that I should gain the mitzvah, and that person should gain by being helped by me. So the Rebbe says like this, if the reason why I'm seeing it is to help him, is to do the mitzvah, then that's all I would see. All I would see is an opportunity for a mitzvah. I wouldn't see anything bad in the person. I wouldn't be making judgments about the person. If I see bad in the person, that's a reflection on me. Because, for example, Imagine a person's walking along the, the pier, the shore, right? And he sees someone's drowning. So what's, what's his first reaction? Scream and go jump. Go jump in, try to save him, 911. Imagine the person, hmm, what an idiot. Why was he swimming in the water? There is no lifeguard. No. You don't start judging the person. What you see before you is an opportunity. All, all you see is there is something that needs to be done. I have to go fix it. That's all. If when you see a person doing an Aveda, the only thing that registers by you is, oh, I have to help this person. There is no judging. There is no condescending. There is no hatred. There is nothing. Then there is no indication that you have that flaw. But if you look at the other person and you see, oh, he's schmutzig, he's dirty. That's a mirror. That means you're also dirty. And with this, the Rebbe explains. Vayar Cham. What was the problem? Vayar Cham Asher Cham saw his father's nakedness. Nakedness is also a metaphor. 
He saw his father naked, metaphorically. Oh, look, disgusting, horrible, terrible. He went and told his two brothers, what happens? The brothers went to Pnei Machiranes. They weren't looking physically. And more importantly, they did not see their father's nakedness. They didn't look down at their father. They didn't judge their father. They didn't say, oh, he's a drunk. Look at that, that's disgusting. The only thing that registered by them was, our father right now is naked in the tent. He has to be covered. We are going to go cover him. It's such a... It's a mind-blowing idea in terms of our approach when we see someone else doing something wrong. If our approach is only, I have to help that person, I love that person, I have to help that person, then you're fine, you're good. If you see the flaw and you start considering it and you make the flaw important and big, that means you have it within yourself. What's the good? Because it's very fine. I mean, if you're helping someone, that means that there's something missing or limited I mean, otherwise you wouldn't, there'd be, not, there'd be no help required. So, but yet it's somewhat distinct from... I love the person, it's not a judgment of the person. There is right now something about the person that needs help and fixing. And my only thought is, I have to help that person. I don't see the dirt on the person. That's not, I'm not, it's not registering. It's not a judgment on the person. I guess you're seeing what's possible, not what's wrong. You're, all, all you're seeing is something that has to be fixed. Such, my help is needed here. It's not that you're thinking about the person. Hey, how could the person do that? But all, all those thoughts—it's all unnecessary. So you asked before: Do you have a mitzvah of the Of course, you have a mitzvah of the chayich They have to do with love. So, well, that's that the pasuk says already, right? Suddenly it has to be with love. It has to be about the deed, not about the person. The person I love, I care for, I'm not looking down at the person, I'm not disgusted by the person. There's something the person did. That when, you do, when you do something wrong yourself, you view it as a challenge. I have to overcome that. I love myself, I care about myself, and now I have to Take care of this issue. With your friend, it has to be the same thing. I love my friend. I care for my friend. And if there's an issue, let me help him resolve it. And that's what Hillel was saying. That which you hate the most. When, when your ugliness is exposed, never do that to your friend. Never expose your friend's ugliness. Always it has, your friend's ugliness has to be covered with that layer of Abbas Yisrael. Now, we have two minutes left to this year, just alvart. And we'll, next, we'll do the second half of the class next week. The Pasuk about Avas Yisrael is interesting. The Pasuk says, Which means, don't do nekama, don't take revenge, don't harbor a grudge against your fellow. Oh. Why are these uh, put together? These, uh, as mentioned earlier, there are hundreds and hundreds of, 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 of mitzvahs that are offshoots from Avas Yisrael. So yes, Lisikam Vilisitar, 
not doing revenge and not harboring a grudge are also offshoots of Abbas Yisrael. But why were those two mitzvahs selected to be peered with the Pasuk of after Yachak HaMecham? So perhaps a pshat is like this. Humankind, relative to every individual, is divided into three groups of people. You could call them the positive, the neutral, and negative. Meaning, the positive. They're the people who I'm on good terms with them. They've done nice things for me. They've done favors for me. My family, the people who I'm on, I'm good with. I have positive feelings towards them. And there's the neutral. The neutral is the mitzvahs. Most people in the world I have nothing against them. I have nothing for them. I barely know them. And then there's the category of people, the negative. The people who have wronged us, the people who rub us wrong, people who have done things to us, uh, have hurt us in different ways. Abbas Yisrael, for group number one, is not so difficult. Abbas Yisrael, for group number two, the neutral, also. You know, you see a person on the street, a yid, you don't know the person. All the yid, you help them with the bag, you know, it's a natural. Where do we have our greatest difficulty in having Avas Yisrael is in group number three. There are only two mitzvahs in the Torah which are devoted specifically and only to group number three. All the other mitzvahs. Hashavah Saveda, who does that apply to? All three groups, right? All the other mitzvahs. Leisigna, even the... You know, uh, helping uh, your donkey and all, all those things, not giving ribbons to apply to everyone. What are the mitzvahs that apply only to the people who have harmed you? You want to know if your Avas Yisrael is complete? If your Avas Yisrael extends even to those Yidin who Pashat have, have hurt you, have done wrong to you, but still you have a Haftaliyacha Kamoicha. Like yourself, your love is unconditional. How do you know your love is kamoicha, which means unconditional? If leisikem vileisiter, then you know the taka, the love is unconditional, because if it was conditional love, you wouldn't be able to do those mitzvahs. So in a way, those two mitzvahs are the ultimate expression of the kamoicha, of the unconditional love demanded from Abbas Yisrael. To be continued, Mitzvah Shem, next week. Le chèche à vous, tout m'a laissé à vous, tout